Well, hello everyone. Uh, welcome Broncos country to our season ending Clissa's mic drop. Uh, what a season it has been. I uh, can't say a great season. 5-11 and 11. didn't work out for the Broncos. 32-31 uh, against the Raiders. What a, what a fitting finish. In many ways, the Broncos were exciting this year, but they were not a winning football team. Um, thought uh, Coach Fangio was a little on the conservative side in that game. Uh, Gruden was anything but going for two at the end and, and getting it. And uh, the Raiders edged the Broncos 32-31, even though Drew Locke played very, very well. And uh, what may be, Drew, you know, close your eyes, but what may be um, your last start in a while because uh, the Broncos, the big news for the Broncos came the day after the game with uh, John Elway stepping aside as GM and uh, maintaining his uh, role as president of football operations and his right-hand man in the football department, Matt Russell, retiring. So the Broncos' top two um, roles in their putting together their roster and, and going after free agency and selecting in the draft and putting together their 53-man roster, the top two guys who do that every single year for the last 10 years are no longer with the Broncos. And so uh, the Broncos are going um, with, the Broncos are, are going to try to find a new GM. The new GM will have a lot of say in replacing Matt Russell as his right-hand man. Uh, five candidates have been identified. Champ Kelly uh, used to be with the Broncos for eight years. He's been uh, the last six years with the Chicago Bears, and their front and their front office is kind of the number two or three man behind Ryan Pace. Uh, George Payton um, with the Minnesota Vikings. He's been an assistant general manager. He's been the right hand man of Rick Spielman for really about 20 years. 14 with the with the Vikings. Um, He's been a finalist uh, and a leading contender for jobs with the Jets and the Browns before. Um, the Bron- and, and, but he withdrew his name. He's interested in the Broncos because, uh, in part, um, he's a Southern California guy. He grew up in Los Angeles. He played football at UCLA. And Denver is uh, uh, geographically closer to the West Coast. Uh, for him than all these uh, uh, Midwestern cities that he's been candidates for, and of course in Minneapolis. Dave Ziegler, he also with the Broncos for three years. Uh, 2010 came in with Josh, and then uh, two years with Elway and John Fox. He moved on to the Patriots. He's been an assistant uh, front office executive there. Uh, Number two to uh, Nick Casario, who just got the GM job with the Houston Texans. But uh, Ziegler spent the last... Uh, eight years with the New England Patriots and gone through a lot of success uh, there, of course. Uh, Terry Fontenot is a uh, uh, basically the uh, uh, pro and college scouting director for the uh, New Orleans Saints. He started at the bottom as a, as a scouting assistant. He's been there 16 years, been groomed by Mickey Lomas, uh, Loomis, I should say. And so um, good luck to uh, Terry Fontenot there. And then Brian Stark, the in-house candidate. Brian Stark uh, grew up in Fort Morgan, uh, went to CU. I didn't play football there, but got his uh, start in, um, in professionally as a recruiter there. And then uh, went to San Diego State, University of Washington first for a year. San Diego State, where he became a top offensive assistant. Uh, wound up at Yale and then um, started off with the Broncos in 2012 as a regional scout. 
worked his way up. He's now the college scouting director. And uh, Brian Stark, since he's been the college scouting director, in um, uh, starting with the 2018 draft, the Broncos have put three uh, consecutive good drafts together, from Bradley Chubb to um, Jerry Judy. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, you had Cortland Sutton and Drew Locke uh, in between there, Dalton Reisner. So uh, Brian Stark, highly regarded with the Broncos, uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, doing him a little bit of a favor. He's playing with house money. Uh, he's probably the fifth, uh, I, I think, the longest shot of the candidates. But it's good that Brian Stark is at least getting an opportunity to interview. So we'll talk about more about those five candidates on the other side. First, um, in our, um, we have a real treat for you in our season-ending Clissa's uh, uh, mic drop in that we had one-on-one -on -one interviews with uh, Vic Fangio, John Elway, and Joe Ellis. And we're going to let you listen to those interviews. First, uh, I'm going to introduce John Elway to you. And John, uh, you know, big decision. They started talking seriously about this uh, move uh, really off and on about mid-season. And then three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, Joe Ellis and uh, uh, sat down with John Elway and said, we need another set of eyes for that GM job. And Joe, uh, John Elway agreed, and uh, he's going to uh, uh, be upstairs, so to speak, and, and consult from above. He's going to help uh, and, and really lead the GM search to find his replacement. And then he's going to be involved in some bigger decisions. You know, if uh, they want to sign a $35 million a year uh, quarterback, uh, I think uh, John wants to be involved in that. So if they want to fire the coach uh, this year, John wants to be involved. Those type of decisions. Not that they're going to fire the coach. Not going to happen this year, right, Vic Fangio? So, um, but anyway, uh, John Elway uh, moves upstairs. We had a chance to talk to him. And I think after you'll uh, hear this discussion, he was a little more open with Nine News in our one-on-one -on -one setting than he was with the mass group. Uh, what I thought was interesting, he admitted to being tired very relaxed and at peace with his decision. So here we go, uh, my conversation that I had on Monday uh, with no longer Bronco general manager, but still uh, president of football operations, John Elway. Hope you enjoy, and I'll come back on the other side. about the chronology of this, uh, John. Uh, from what I understand, uh, you and Joe started discussions about three weeks ago. Was it something like uh, Joe says we need to do something different and you agreed or uh, t just tell us how it all came about? You know what, Mike, we just started talking about where we are, as, you know, where we were as a team and, and uh, you know, looking at different options of different things that we could possibly do and how do we, how do we make ourselves better and continue to, you know, to, to, you know, hopefully win some football games because obviously we've been struggling to do that the last several years. And so trying to think about different ways that we can have that happen. And I think, you know, me moving up became part of that, uh, that conversation. And I think that, you know, that's why it took me a couple, three weeks because it's always difficult to, when you decide to change direction, it's always difficult. And I think that three weeks was really good for me, and I really started prioritizing things and, and where I was in my life, um, you know, with uh, being 60 years old and having been in football my whole life, and there's some things that I wanted to kind of start doing outside of football. 
um, and have a little more free time. And so as I started thinking about that and where I was, I think that, you know, that it led to this, and Joe gave me the opportunity, as you, as you know, to, to move up, which is kind of the role I always wanted, especially when I took the job, is that eventually I was hoping to move into this position to where I could oversee things, not be involved in the day-to-day -day operations, but also be involved in, in organizational, big decisions that the organization has to make. And so um, it was a good opportunity, obviously disappointed that we didn't win more football games, but with that being aside, it was, it was a good opportunity for me to, to move up and then also find another GM and find a guy with a different perspective that can come in here and hopefully you know, uh, change things around a little bit and, and, and get us back on the winning track. You know, 10 years is a long time. I don't know if people realize uh, you outlived the shelf life of the normal GM uh, in, in, in the NFL. Um, it wasn't a situation where everyone agreed it was time for a new set of eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's when, when you know, when, when after I looked at, okay, what's the best thing for John Elway and looking at my life and where I was, and then the next question was, what's the best thing for the organization? And I think that those things went hand in hand, and I think that with the opportunity that we have with the, with the team that we have, I, it, you know, it was, it was a good time for the transition um, for me to move up and, and look into, you know, later years and then, you know, bring in some new set of eyes, as you said, to, to be the GM and, and give us a different perspective and, and hopefully a very positive perspective to where it helps us uh, get back on the winning track. There's a lot of questions about uh, what type of GM you're going to be able to get here. Is it uh... – I mean, you're an imposing figure, John, uh, an icon, and and sometimes, uh, quite frankly, even though you're a, you know a regular guy and and your door's always open, some people are a little intimidated by you. Are you going to give the GM free reign? Is he going to report to you? Are you going to be hovering over him? How is that going to work? Well, I mean, I think Vic and Vic and GM, the GM are still going to report to me, but they're going to work together and come out with solutions themselves. And then, with the, as, as I said earlier, with the big decisions, I'll be involved in those. But ultimately, the GM is going to have the control to be able to do that. And, you know, I, all I want is I want input. I think I can add some valuable input to, to any GM or even with Vic and, and on the football side, help that. So I'm looking forward to being able to do that. But ultimately – you know, it's going to be something where the GM is going to have the reins and, and be able to make the decision that he wants. How about the search? Who's, uh, will Brittany be involved with the search? Um, you know, we haven't really – I haven't had a chance to sit down and talk with everybody yet exactly how we're going to go about that. We've obviously had a lot of different things going on with players checking out. So I don't need to know exactly. Once we get through all the media, then we'll sit down and start putting a plan together and see who, who, who's all involved. And I, I don't know who that is just yet. What was the toughest thing, uh, toughest part of the job as GM? Uh, losing, you know, I think that's the toughest thing. It's hard to take losing. And I think that, uh, you know, as a competitor, everybody hates to lose. And I think that, you know, when, when we go through the year that we had this year, where we had, we had high hopes coming into this year with a young team, with the draft that we had, and then with COVID hitting and no off season and a new offensive coordinator, the way everything's set up, the most frustrating thing this year is that, you know, the year that we had probably was the worst thing that could have happened to us. Now, everybody else in the league had to go through it also. But uh, I think it, it was more impactful on us because of the youth that we had, especially on the offensive side. But, you know, then the injuries. You know, there's so many things that are out of your control that, um, you know, when you lose key people like we lost this year, it's going to be – and you don't have the people to replace them. It's, 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 it's difficult to be consistent and win a lot of football games. The beginning part of your uh, GM-ship – 
You go to five, uh, uh, you win five AFC West titles in five years. You go to two Super Bowls. Uh, one time you set all the offensive records. You're the Showtime Lakers. The second time you win it with the ba- bad boy piston type of roster and that it's uh, all, all defense. That had to have been the highlight of your uh, GM career. No question. I think that, uh, you know, to be able to have Peyton come in here, we're grateful that Peyton came in here and we, we got him at the right time because he had a big chip on his shoulder and he came in and played great. Like you said, set all the records in 2013. Um, but then we got beat by the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. And so we're able to, you know, concentrate two years later of turn it around and really concentrate on the defensive side. And really, it was fun to be able to put that defense together with Wade Phillips being the defensive coordinator, Gary being the head coach, and my relationship with them. But, you know, to be, to be able to turn it around, be adequate on the offensive side, but again, be great on the defensive side was really, yeah, that was my highlight, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. And then on the other side, a couple things happened, I think, that uh, uh, one was very unexpected. Uh, Gary Kubiak, the medical issues and losing your head coach, who was a good friend of yours on top of everything else, that was a real blow, underrated blow uh, to this organization. Uh, Wouldn't you agree with that? And then the other part is finding the quarterback. And a lot of people, you know, found a lot of irony in that, that John Elway couldn't get a quarterback after Peyton Manning. Talk about those two things, you know, first Gary and the quarterback. Yeah, first Gary. Well, the relationship I had with him, yeah, that was, that, you know, caught us by surprise. It was unfortunate, but we totally understood for the health reasons and why Gary had to step away. But I had so much respect to Gary as, as a head coach and being able to work with him and getting, you know, on the offense side and what he knew about the quarterbacks to try to get the quarterbacks, you know, figure out the quarterbacks and, but for him to, you know, to, to not be able to do it because of the health reasons, you know, it was, it was a blow. And, uh, and so that was unfortunate because he came in here his first year and won a Super Bowl. So he knew how to do that. He knew how to win. And that's what he was great. So we missed him greatly. You know, and then obviously we just didn't get things done the next couple of years with, with Vance. And, and um, you know, and then Vic's come in the last two years. It seems like we're trending in the right direction. You know, I think the one thing I'm proud about what Vic did is those guys played to the last second yesterday against the Raiders, and unfortunately we didn't win. But I was really proud on how hard and, and the football team played the whole year, and, and Vic got them to play that way. And then the quarterback, John, just trying to, you know, just some of the struggles trying to find the right guy. Uh, you know, while while Patrick Mahomes was with the Chiefs. By the way, did, was Patrick Mahomes behind some of this too? You looked at you looked at the next ten years. Said time to bow out, everybody. <laughs> No, no, we know we're going to have to go through him anyway, so it's a great challenge for us. But, yeah, obviously it makes it tougher because he's a, a great, great player. But, uh, you know, Mike, it's very tough on those quarterbacks, you know, and it's, it's, it, sometimes it takes time. you got to have some patience. And, you know, obviously they get compared to the guys that really take off, you know, especially like a Mahomes. And then, you know, uh, Herbert had a good year in, with the Chargers this year. And, you know, and then Josh Allen really came on in his third year. So, I still have high hopes for, for Drew and the fact that he can be a, a great player in this league. He just continued to work. He's young. Um, he needs a lot of work, but uh, he wants to be great too. So, you know, hopefully Drew's that guy. We're going to, you know, we're still exploring all options for every position on this team, but that is a very tough spot to find, especially too, Mike, with where the rules are right now, that it's even more important to have that quarterback because they have such a most they have so much control of the game and where the rules are that everything's built around that quarterback. So you got to have one. You know, I think the the offense really was is rebuilt and like you say with patience, you get Cortland back. It's ready to take off to another level. 
But the, the, now it looks like it's shifted to the defensive side again. You got to rebuild there. You got a lot of age and a lot of injuries and a lot of money on the defensive side where you got some tough decisions to make with Vaughn and A.J. Boye and, and Jarrell Casey. Is that where you look might be a priority this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it is. We haven't had a whole lot of time really to sit down and think about it just yet, Mike. But I think obviously once we get the GM hired to be able to sit down in those meetings and get their perspective on it and also let them know and tell them all about our team from our point of view. And so that's going to be a big part of it. And at that point in time, the roster will be looked at, you know, and start determining how much money we do have. Obviously, cap's going down. And so, you know, what the new GM's plan is going to be, obviously on the defensive side, as you said, we're getting a little bit older. But that all goes into the equation, and that's the same thing that happens year in and year out is you got to attack certain areas. And, and uh, you know, we can still get, you know, hopefully on the offensive side we can continue to get better. We're young there. But, yeah, defensively we're going to have to look at that uh, and see uh, exactly what we can do there. John, you seem uh, you seem very relaxed, uh, like you're at peace here. A- am I am I reading you right? Does it feel like uh, you're not retired, but uh, you're taking a major step back? Yeah, you know, I, I am, Mike. I you know I it, I'm tired and you know worked hard at this. It's meant a lot to me, and obviously with the disappointing season we had this year, and and then you know with the opportunity to move up, I I think it's time to to uh, to take some time. As I said earlier, I had my seventh grandchild this morning, and so to be able to spend some time with them and and do some different things because I've worked hard my whole life, and at 60 years old, that runway is getting shorter. So. With that all said, all said and done, you know, still to be connected with the Broncos, still be involved in the important decision, and uh, but also be able to do some things that with my family is and some things that I've always wanted to do. You know, I'm not. I guess now that it's all come together and and you've answered all the questions today, uh, this move for you uh, makes sense. I'm I was a little surprised by Matt uh, because he was uh, he. It sounded like he had a real opportunity to maybe succeed you. And he's still a young guy, but I talked to him. He's right. Re- he he's serious about retirement too. He's ready to move on. Yeah, he is. And I think that you know, Matt, like you said, Matt's young enough now. You know, and Matt loves his kids. He's a family man, and his kids are right in that sweet spot right now where they're playing sports. And he's a great fan and loves to go to their games. So I think that uh, you know, as he looked at it too, figured out where he was. He's he's had. He had such a great 20-year career in this league as a, an evaluator and was very, very good at it, was so instrumental in what we did, why I've been here and a big part of everything, and we couldn't have done it without him. And so but then when he looked at it, too, he started looking at his life and saying, you know, my kids are going to be graduated from high school pretty soon, and, and I'm not going to have that time. So I think uh, I'm proud of him and that this is the direction he wants to go. He's going to take that time, spend it with Sonia and the kids, and and be able to do some things he wants to do also. But like I said, with, with Matt being that young and the relationships and reputation that he has in the NFL, if Matt ever re- decides to come back, you know, five, six, seven years from now or three years from now, he's going to have that opportunity. And, and lastly, Peyton Manning, he comes up, you know, uh, around town. Uh, from what I understand, it's not likely he'll be considered for this GM job. You want someone... Well, Peyton, put it this way: Peyton is not called. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. A lot of people have called. So, just so you know, Peyton is Peyton is not. You're more likely to look at someone with more experience than John Elway had when he took over the job in 2011. Yeah, you know, and I think that you know, but you know, 
Peyton's always a guy you want, you know, you would talk to this and that, but I think that, uh, you know, with where he is in his life and, you know, I, I, th- I see him in football eventually, whether it's right now and, and in this role, um, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Sounds like he wants to be where you're at right now in the advisory role on top. Not <laughs> yeah, and I think that, that I think that would be a great spot for him. I think he's because he's smart and he knows that and he knows the game of football. So I think you know I think we'll see Paid get an opportunity to to be able to do, he'll he'll be in that have that opportunity at some point in time. John, listen, uh, it's been a slice. We've been together through uh, ten years of this. Yeah, <laughs> I know I wasn't always your favorite guy, but uh, I appreciate the fact that when you were winning. And winning big, or whether you were losing and it was frustrating to lose, uh, you're always available and you always had time to uh, try to straighten me out and explain things uh, on how the Broncos were doing business. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you too, Mike. It was a good 10 years. And I, you know, the good thing is I don't have to say sayonara or goodbye at all. You're going to still, I'm still going to be around to give you a tough time every once in a while, but look forward to to seeing you and, and we'll be around and like I said I, I'm excited about my new role and I'm excited about still being a part of the organization and and uh, being a hopefully part of the solution to, to getting us back to winning ways thanks John appreciate it all right Mike All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation we had uh, with John Elway. Um, as you can tell, I think he's at uh, great peace. Uh, still believes in the Broncos, still wants to be part of the Broncos, but he is not going to be involved in the day-to-day uh, operations. And he is going to step aside. The GM, I don't think the GM is going to feel threatened by Elway. Elway is not, he really isn't that way. He let the coaches coach, believe it or contrary to what some people may have thought. Um, he's going to let the GM do his job. And um, next we talked with uh, Joe Wellis, the CEO and president of the Broncos, who was, uh, I think, really did a masterful job in, uh, or, uh, you know, uh, arranging this, uh, this new football operations department. Um, they had long talks with uh, Matt Russell and, and John Elway uh, over this last season. I think it probably started after the Tampa Bay loss when the Broncos didn't look good. They lose 27-10. to 10. They're 0-3 going into the Jets. Um, there were a couple other uh, blowout losses that the Broncos had. You had that embarrassment against the Saints. And then uh, really right about that Bills game when the Bills blew out the Broncos at home, it got really serious about uh, uh, John stepping away and uh, going upstairs and um, not continuing uh, with the general manager. I tell you what, 10 years way outlives the normal shelf life for a general manager. So congratulations to John Elway and the job he did. His first five years were uh, magnificent. His second five years didn't work out. I, I, I thought losing Gary Kubiak was underrated factor in the Broncos' demise. Um, not Kubiak's fault. He had a medical condition, uh, but that hurt. Uh, Kubiak really had the really had this team going in the right direction. And then Paxton Lynch hurt. You know, you put a first-round draft pick in a quarterback, and when that doesn't work out, it sets your franchise back for going on five years now. They're still looking. We'll see about Drew Locke. Uh, but but uh, Joe Ellis uh, in our conversation said that uh, when his contract's up in, in March of 2022, he's not going to 
go for an extension. He'll probably stay on a few more months uh, to help in the transition for the new CEO and uh, president, depending on uh, uh, whether the new owner is Brittany Bolin or whether the new owner is uh, is, is an investor from outside uh, the Broncos family. Uh, but first, that's going to happen through the, uh, the, the court case uh, with the two oldest daughters, Amy Clemmer and Beth Bolin Wallace, suing the three trustees, trying to get them to vacate um, their their father's trust on the grounds that he was not uh, he did not have mental capacity when the last trust was executed in 2009. That is uh, now going before an Arapahoe County court and Judge uh, Scipione, July 12th it was supposed to be September 1 of last year. Because of COVID, it's been delayed and reset for July 12th. We'll see what happens with that court case. And uh, so, Joe, we had a, a nice, frank, uh, open discussion with Joe Ellis, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. So, uh, uh, again, I'll be back on the other end to talk about the conversation and then introduce our final conversation that we had this week with Vic Fangio. But first, here's uh, my sit-down interview with Joe Ellis. Joe Ellis, thank you for joining us here today on Nine News. Uh, boy, ten years with Elway, what a trip it was, right? Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's sticking around to help me out here. You know, I, I, I think it's important for the organization that his voice at 50,000 feet still be here, uh, and and that Vic and, and the new general manager report up to him because John has a really good perspective at the highest level of what needs to be accomplished by the organization, and and I think it's. Uh, uh, it's it's really a, a I, I commend him for reaching the decision he did reach, Mike. Uh, I think it's a good step for him and a good step for the Broncos moving forward. It was a little surprising to some people, I think, because we all know how competitive this guy is. You know, we we saw it starting in 1983, and as the GM, uh, you know, that guy is the hands-on as far as uh, controlling the direction of the team, controlling the roster. How Talk us through a little bit through the process of how he got to this point where he was willing to give up uh, day to day. Well, I think, you know, we had some candid conversations, very honest conversations. But, you know, John did most of the thinking and did most of the talking. And John reached this decision, Mike. And, and you know, I, 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 as I said, I really uh, appreciate and, and commend him, appreciate him and commend him for, you know, doing what's in the best interest of the team. Uh, and also taking a good look at, at where he is himself and, and uh, being honest with that. You raised the point. He's, he's as fiery a competitor as anyone will ever know. And I think in some ways it's hard to, to give up the challenge of fixing things uh, the way they probably need to be fixed here moving forward. But uh, I think he recognized what was in the best interest, as I said, of the team. And, and just as importantly for himself, he's had a He's had a long run here, and for him to be able to still be involved and oversee it and really help me, uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I've, always, uh, I've always enjoyed my conversations with John and learn a lot when he talks about the big picture of building and developing the team. And he's always very honest and very candid about everything. And, and listen, you know, we've had some great success. We've had some years here now consecutively where we haven't had success. John's been very honest about that. He's been very honest about why. Uh, and again, he reached a decision that uh, 
that I, I think is in the best interest of all parties and, and, and most importantly, him. Yeah, what I liked about this, you know, we all agree John Elway is the number one icon figure in Broncos history, but not one guy is bigger than the Broncos. And, and the standard was set pretty high here for a good 45-year uh, run, and these last four years have been well below uh, the Broncos' standard. Uh, this GM search, it's got to be one of the more pivotal hires. Uh, you know, you've had some head coaching hires. This is the next big hire for the Broncos, is it not, in order to get this team uh, back to playing to the standards that it had been for so long? I think it's an important hire, and I think what's really important is that the that the candidate that gets the job has a, you know, a wide skill set, a deep skill set, and, and importantly, can work with Vic and his staff, uh, most directly with Vic, to shape the roster from player one through player 53 the way it needs to be shaped for us to be successful, for Vic to be successful in coaching the team. Uh, and those are sort of key characteristics that, that I think we'll be looking for. Uh, but you mentioned John earlier. I mean, one thing I would say, you talked about 45 years uh, of excellence. Uh, John, the, the, the 15 of those best years occurred, and I don't know if I'm missing a year or two here, Mike, when John Elway was the quarterback of the team, and then another five occurred uh, when John Elway was the general manager. So. I said in my statement yesterday, the most important and impactful person in the history of the team, uh, his impact and his import carry on from the Broncos or, or carry away from the Broncos up through the city and the state, the NFL. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a Mount Rushmore player. He's a Mount Rushmore person, uh, executive here with the team. And, uh, uh, you know, he's, I'm just really grateful that uh, – for all that he's done for the organization and then for him to take this step, uh, this important step moving forward. I'm grateful for that as well. How much did uh, COVID impact the revenues? How much money did you lose in uh, the 2020 season? And will that impact, you know, that loss of revenue uh, impact uh, the Broncos going forward and their ability to succeed? Yeah, we took a significant hit. As, as so many people did in the entertainment business and in the hospitality business because you really just couldn't do anything. You know, you couldn't really leave your homes for a long period of time and you weren't allowed to to be next to each other and all of those things, Mike. Um, it, it doesn't have an effect on, on us being able to give the football department the resources they need to win. We will always be able to do that. Justin Webster... Our CFO has really done a nice job of navigating us through things financially, putting us in a position where we could get through this year, no layoffs, no furloughs. Uh, I, I spoke to the entire organization a couple of weeks ago. We have no plans to do anything like that in the short term. I can't predict what the season will, will bring in 2021. I'm optimistic we'll have people back in the stands. To what level, I don't know. But I do know they want to come back. Um, and, and I do know that we've got to start winning for them to stay and remain with us. I do know that as well. So, uh, but I'm optimistic, Mike, uh, and I do know that moving forward, uh, our financial position will not hinder in any way, shape, or form what we need to do to support the football department, get the right players in here, get, get the right staff in here, get the right GM in here, all of that. Uh, it's... it's uh, it's, it's, you know, you just don't bat an eye when I look at where we are from a financial picture on those kinds of things. We'll, we'll be able to move forward uh, and, and, and do things the right way to improve things on the field. 
internally staff any cutbacks layoffs you're gonna have to do anything like that nope. uh, come no no okay good um the ownership transfer uh seems like we've got a, a chicken and the egg thing going here um joe in that uh beth bolin had came out a, a little while ago and said and, and correct me if i'm wrong but essentially what she said um if you sell the team she'll drop the lawsuit and uh, the trustees, uh, uh, you know, which year one, uh, seem to be saying, well, if you drop the lawsuit, uh, we'll go forward with either appointing a child, one of Pat Boland's children, or uh, go forward with the with the sale. Where is where is that standing right now? Uh, it's it stands with the latter. Uh, we, we're going to, you know, the the court case is set for July. It was supposed to have taken place in uh, this past September. It couldn't because of COVID, and I respect the, you know, the. Uh, the court system and, and the judge and, and what all he's going through and what he needs to do to have this case be tried the right way. But, uh, you know, Mike, I, I don't know anybody that, that uh, pays, uh, if we were to decide to sell the team, um, I, I, don't, I don't know anybody that uh, until the litigation goes away um, is, is going to step up and be a buyer, number one. Number two, you know, the, the, the court case exists and, and we have to go to trial to validate the trust and to validate our authority within the trust. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, if they decide to drop the case, they drop the case. But, but uh, until then, you know, our plans are to see this out through trial, and, uh, and, and that's, that's the way it proceeds. I'm, I'm hopeful that that trial stays on, on target for the July date, and by the end of July or early August, uh, you know, it will be completed. I can't speak to the judge as to how long he would take to rule. That's, uh, that, that's his decision. And, uh, uh, you know, when that happens, then, then uh, you know, we'll begin to look at what kind of decisions we should make uh, that are in the best interest of the beneficiaries, that are in the best interest of the organization, and just as importantly, are in the best interest of the fans and all of our constituents. You had said before, in order to keep the team in the family, uh, and you've made it pretty clear, I think, that Brittany is the is the child on the track to one day succeed her father if it gets to that point. But you said that there, everyone, all all the children, it had to be unanimous in selecting a child. That does not seem, at this point anyway, uh, likely. Uh, are you still holding to that? That would have had, that everyone would have to be on board in order for the team to. Uh, transfer to one child controlling owner if it's not Beth uh, or her sister and um, and for Brittany to be in charge. I, I believe, Mike, what I said was that while it may not be required, um, it certainly would be beneficial and it would be likely to be necessary that all eight beneficiaries, uh, the seven children plus Mrs. Bowl and Annabelle, uh, come to a consensus on how things would proceed forward. Um, so uh, I stand by that. I, I, I think that if there's, you know, not consent from a few people, that complicates the transition of ownership over to another child. And, and that's something that they're going to have to work out. They're going to have to work that out. We can't work that out for them. Uh, so we'll see if they're able to do that um, and if they're willing to do that. Uh, I can't predict that. I'm not going to speak for them, but that's that's essentially, uh, in in my view and the view of my fellow trustees, uh, 
what will have to happen. And I would add from a timeline perspective, I do think that the community, the fans, the organization, and the beneficiaries, the family, uh, deserve resolution at some point. Um, you know, right now, as I said, we're focused on the trial and we'll, we'll go to court and, and, and uh, I believe we'll prevail, but we'll see. Uh, and, and we'll go from there. But uh, again, uh, I think it's important to so many different parties that this get worked out sooner rather than later. Viewing your team from on high, where has it failed here in the last couple of years? Where, where has been the, de uh, the team's downfall? Well, I, I don't want to pinpoint individual play or coaching or anything. I mean, there's, listen, everybody's got a finger on this, Mike, and you can put one on me too. Um, but, you know, we all have to do a better job to pitch in, contribute, and, and come up with ways to, to figure out how to win. You know, to me, in watching the team this year, in some ways, it looks like we've forgotten how to win. And we've got to turn that around. And that's a bad place for an organization to be in. But we all recognize that. Uh, we have a young team. We've got a coaching staff that's now probably going to st will stay uh, intact and will be intact for the second year in a row. That's, you know, that's, that'll be the first time we've done that in a while. I think that's going to be good for the players, and I think that'll be good for the organization. I believe they can do a good job to raise our level of play and win more games. I'm optimistic about that. But all that is talk. You know, we have to prove it on the field. And there will be pressure next year to prove it on the field. There's already pressure. We just didn't have any fans in the stands to let us know about it. But you can hear it if you're away from the stadium. The minute you walk out of a stadium after you've lost a tough game, and we lost plenty this year, uh, believe me, we're not, our heads aren't in the sand. We've got to do a better job. Uh, the one known candidate uh, to date for, for general manager, Champ Kelly, uh, not surprised by that. He checks off a lot of boxes. First of all, he's familiar with your organization. He worked here for eight years. You know him intimately. Vic Fangio knows him intimately from his time with the Chicago Bears. And uh, and frankly, you know, he helps with the diversity search. And, and I think overall in the organization, there's uh, great diversity with the Denver Broncos, but in the football operations department, it's not so evident. And you have said that that's very important in this search process that uh, you interview some minority candidates. Well, it's not just that. I mean, whoever we pick, whether it's a minority candidate or not, needs to have a plan for diversity within his department. Uh, we, we have to, I've talked to Vic about this and Vic acknowledges that we have to get better in this area. You know, we have, we, I said this earlier today, 75% of our players are black and bring a different perspective. And, and we need to bring a dis different perspective uh, to, to our front office as well and, and have some diversity of ideas and thought. And, and, and it, it just helps you get better. And so, um, you know, we, we, are, we are short in that area. We've fallen a little short. We need to catch up and we need to do better. We've made some improvements. We have. I acknowledge that. But, but I just feel like uh, we can always do better. We, Champ Kelly's a, a, a strong candidate, but there are other strong candidates. And, and a few of them are, are uh, several of them may be candidates of, 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 uh, of diversity. So I, I just, I think it's an emphasis, you know, not only during this hiring process from a general manager standpoint, Mike, but also as you move forward and develop your staff and your organization uh, around that GM. So we'll, we need to follow through on that. Joe, who do you think's coming out of the AFC and going to play in the Super Bowl? 
Oh, I shouldn't make predictions, but I, I just think Kansas City was sort of like our team in 1998. Um, and that was my first year back after being away from the organization for several years. They're just, they've got all the pieces back. Uh, they play very well. They can figure out to, how to win. And uh, they got the MVP, number 15, slinging it for them every week. You just can never count them out. Um, you know, I know they've had some close games, but uh, uh, I guess uh, I, I'm not adding any fuel to the fire. Uh, probably irritating some Bronco fans, but I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I just I look at that team and and uh, a 15 and one or 14 and two season and uh, um, really just you know in control of every game they played in. Their, their defense is solid. Uh, I would expect them to be there in Tampa, uh, and I won't be surprised if they prevail again. You know, I was joking with Elway yesterday. I said, well, you, you realize that Mahomes has got another 15 years in the division. You're bailing. Yeah, thanks. The heck with this. <laughs> no, I, I, I won't be here for all 15 of those. I won't make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that is a challenge for uh, the new GM. I mean, you're um, figure you got a you got a heck of a, of a division of quarterbacks now. And uh, Mahomes is at the very, very top. It's uh, – this GM has got a challenge in trying to bring the Broncos back to the promised land. First of all, uh, getting them, uh, getting the Broncos on top of the AFC West. It's one of the strongest divisions in football. It is. It is. But you know what? Who doesn't want a challenge? And I, I, I just, uh, if I were someone up and coming, I think it'd be fun to, to take that on. And, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can build your team the way you want it. And, and nothing... Nothing is impossible in this league. There's, there's, there's ways that parity play in that give you a chance each and every year. So I, I, I'm not going to rule us out just because the other, the other three teams have some strong quarterback play that, uh, uh, that is evident. I think, I think we've got a chance to – someone has a chance to come in here and build on a pretty good young roster in a lot of ways, make us better, improve the team, and, and get us back in contention for the postseason pretty quickly. And, Joe, finally it's, you know, the – the end of an era in some respects with John Elway. I know he's not fully retired, but uh, as a GM, uh, just wondering about you. Your contract, I believe, is up uh, in the spring of uh, of next year, 2022. 2022. Uh, how much longer are you going to be doing this? I don't envision uh, extending it past that other than maybe just an interim period of some sort if necessary. But not as a that would be dedicated to finding a replacement as a club president or CEO, depending upon what the next owner, uh, whether that's Brittany or somebody else, uh, you know, um, where that ends up. I think that's uh, I think it's important for the organization to to I don't think CEOs should last forever. And, and if you look across businesses across the country, Mike, uh, they don't last forever. They need to move on. They're asked to move on. And. And it, it will be time for me to move on. And how that transfer passes, I can't predict right now. But, but there will be a, a, a transfer of authority at that level. I can assure you of that. Okay. Well, Joe, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck uh, with the GM search. And start raising the talent on that roster and uh, get those Broncos back in the playoffs again. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. All right, Joe Ellis, uh, the man in charge till uh, March uh, of 2022, and not very much longer after that on an interim basis. So uh, 
a real shift, a major shift at the uh, top end of the Broncos organizational structure is coming. Um, despite that shift uh, being uh, really a year away, uh, you know, Elway this year, they decided to go ahead and make the, sh the shift at, at GM this year because you can't just punt on, you just can't uh, call 2021 a wash. There's been too much losing. You can't take a step back. You have to try to take a step forward, enough step backs. Um, so uh, that's what the Broncos are doing. They're trying to get better now. And um, then maybe when the new owner's in place for 2022, uh, the team would really be in position to make a serious run at the playoffs and maybe even Super Bowl contention by 2023, 2024, if everything falls right. You know, it's got to fall right in, in the NFL. It's such a fine line between 5 and 11 and 11 and 5 sometimes. Um, next, we have Vic Fangio. I thought the most interesting thing uh, in our interview, that the one-on-one -on -one interview that I had with uh, Vic Fangio, is I asked him about Drew Locke. This team gave the, uh, one set of car keys to one player this year, and that was Drew Locke. And they built the entire team around Drew Locke. Now, uh, it hurt that the big piece... Uh, Cortland Sutton basically was lost for the season, went down in the first week of practice, um, missed the opener, came back for uh, not even a half against the Steelers, and because he couldn't lift his arms, he dropped the ball, ball was interception, uh, was intercepted. He got so mad at himself that he chased down the uh, guy with the interception on the return, and he tore his knee tackling the guy. And so that was it for Cortland Sutton 2020 season, just a travesty. Um, his injury, Von Miller's injury, uh, those are tough. You know, it's hard for any team to sustain injuries to their best offensive player and their best defensive player. So um, uh, we talked to Vic Fangio about Drew Locke getting that same set of car keys and no one else for 2021. And uh, Vic punted on it. He deferred till the GM, the new GM is hired, and they talk it over. I personally think the new GM is going to try to – upgrade the quarterback position and whether that's a veteran backup to uh, Drew Locke but you can't go into a season with a turnover prone quarterback and uh, and and hope that he's got that all out of his system he showed great growth but uh, do you still can you can you he still finished 32nd in the league he still finished 36th in the league in completion percentage so I think the Broncos will uh, if they, I, I, I think they'll go in a draft Maybe not free agency. I think they'll go in the draft in the first or second round to get their quarterback. And maybe Drew Locke uh, um, uh, is the starting quarterback again to start 2021 in the uh, first round draft pick. Uh, let's say let's say they do go that way. Um, the first round draft pick would sit a year and, and watch behind Locke or until, until they feel like uh, Locke's not playing consistent enough. So that's my feeling, but uh, here's our conversation that we had uh, with Vic Fangio. As always, uh, he was uh, uh, very interesting. I think you'll find it interesting, and then we'll wrap this up, our Clissa's season-ending mic drop on the other side of the interview that I had with Vic Fangio. changes in your career in the NFL you know they say if uh, when you're hired it means eventually you're going to be fired 
How does this, uh, the fact that John's moving upstairs and, and Matt Russell too, who you've worked closely with, uh, retiring, just uh, your thoughts on how this is unique compared to other situations you've been in? Yeah, I think it's uh, all been a healthy situation. You know, John, this is something I know that John's been thinking about for a couple of years and um, he wrestled with it. And I think he knows he's made the right decision because sometimes when you're wrestling with a decision and you make it, I don't, he doesn't have any regrets. And I think he knows he made the right decision. I think he's thrilled with where the Broncos are headed and his role moving forward. A lot of people wondering just how the, um, the, the, the power structure is going to work between you and the new GM. How do you think it'll work out once the guy's hired? It'll be the same thing it was with John. He'll be in charge of building the roster all the way from training camp, whether we have 80 or 90 guys, and cutting it down to 53 and then building the practice squad. He'll be totally in charge of that and all avenues that you use for that, the draft, free agency, street free agencies. You know, he'll be the general manager and he's in charge of the roster and all, all the ways that you acquire players. I understand you're going to be part of the interview process. Um, Joe Ellis and John will uh, ultimately pick the guy. But what are maybe some of the questions, if, if you can, just in general, that you'll be asking the candidates? Well, just his vision of where he thinks um, our needs are, what we need to do to get better, uh, the type of players he likes, you know, what does he see in our roster right now as strengths and weaknesses, um, how does he visualize the evaluation process to be in the draft, free agency, et cetera? All the things that are normal. This year, the priority. Uh, last year, it was all about offense. And you did improve, maybe not as much as you wanted to, uh, after adding all the pieces you did because you didn't have the uh, OTAs, you, a first-year offensive coordinator, so much youth. Uh, for next year, it looks to me like defense might have to be rebuilt a little bit the defensive line you lost so many guys corner especially those two positions and you're always looking for that inside linebacker who can run would you say defense is a priority it definitely is something that we have to take a good look at and uh, make a decision after seeing how all the guys that got injured and how they're doing you know very early in the season we lost our entire starting defensive line and vaughn and then we lost uh, all of our cover guys, you know, from a starting standpoint. And, uh, you know, it made it rough at times. So, you know, just getting those guys back and seeing where they're at will be a start. You know, that will be our first draft or first free agency, however you want to look at it. And then, yeah, we, got, we do need to add to our defense, no question about it. The team, record-wise anyway, took a step back. You were 7-9 and nine last year, 5-11 and 11 this year. I mean, do you get it? Was it kind of a wash because of injuries? I mean, they were devastating, and they were devastating early in the season, losing your your top two guys right off the bat, your best defensive guy in Vaughn and your best offensive guy in Cortland. Yeah, it was difficult at times, obviously. I mean, to lose Vaughn the way we did, especially I really felt he was going to have a great season. He had a great offseason. His mind was in a good position. And I thought he was really going to have a great, great season. And when he went down, that was very, very disappointing. And then shortly after that, you know, Cortland, you know, fell catching a pass on air against no defense and hurt his shoulder, 
which I think contributed to him ultimately hurting his knee. And, um, you know, and it just seemed to never stop. So it, it did have its effect on us, negative effect. You know, we had a lot of injuries to our best players, as you alluded to, and we had a lot of injuries in total numbers. And we, we needed to do a better job as coaches to find a formula and a way to make the players that we were left with more successful. We're, we're seeing this more and more in the NFL here, especially with the rule changes the way they are. Quarterbacks dominate, rule the game. Your quarterback, Drew Locke, was just, uh, you know, he flashed, but he was just too inconsistent. Do you give complete authority, the, the keys to the car to him next year the way you did this year? Well, I'd like to wait to answer that question in total until we get our new general manager in, you know, let him take a look at that position as well as our entire roster and see what his opinion is. The uh, I know you don't pay attention to social media, but anytime you lose, uh, Vic Fangio's uh, game management uh, comes up uh, all across Twitter. How do you think you've done in game management? And is it something you're going to study and, you know, look at in the off season to see if you can get even better at it. I don't think we had a uh, epidemic of poor game management decisions. There's always some management decisions that, you know, they fall into three categories for me. The obvious, the hundred percenters that you got to do. Then there's the 80 twenties where you might roll the dice on the 20%. And then there's the 50 fifties where, you know, you're always going to wait to see how it turned out to see if you were right or wrong. And, you know, on the 50-50s, you got to be able to be right more than you're wrong. And on the 80-20s, if you're going to go against the grain, you got to hope you're right. And um, hopefully we'll do a good job managing all those situations and take good advantage of it and uh, make the right choice more times than not. By the way, speaking of that, Brandon McManus, last year you didn't let him kick, I think, a 65-yard field goal. And, and one reason why you gave him, and he was all mad and upset, and one reason why you gave him is uh, kickers tend to overswing on those things, and they kind of lose their groove. And it kind of looked like that's what happened to him here in this game. Wouldn't you agree? He tried to, to, to overswing, and, and that's the risk you take when you send those kickers out for those long field goals. Yes, you know. So you're kind of seeing, uh, understanding what I was talking about last year. <laughs> Yeah, took a, took a year for you to, you know, to, to fully justify your decision. But, yeah, that was the first thing I thought about was you were right last year not letting him kick that 65-yarder because he got hot right after that too. Yeah. Um, you know, on the game winner there the other day, which I really thought he was going to make, you know, he hit it fat. His foot hit the ground before it hit the ball and just kicked it into the pile, you know. So, and maybe that, maybe that does stem from the uh, long one we tried at the end of the half. You know, you may be right. I always think that. I I like to think that I know kickers a little bit and what goes through there and, and the swing thoughts that they have. It's just like in golf. And, you know, it probably did play into it a little bit because, he did. you know, he had a bad swing on the game winner for sure. Anything you can do to address injuries? I know you didn't have the offseason, which probably contributed to the uh, the real crisis you had there. Uh, with the trainer's room, but, you know, younger players uh, change up the routine because I, I do think it really spoiled your season this year. We'll look at everything, Mike. Um, 
it's hard to blame it on our off-season program because we didn't have one. So I know that's uh, an easy, you know, low-lying fruit for people to pick at, but we didn't have an off-season, nor did we have them here or train them with our own guys, you know, which, as you alluded to, probably played a little part in it. Um, I think not having preseason games played a little part in it. I think having a shortened training camp played a little part in it. There's always a lot of little reasons to, to a big problem, usually, and we're going to look at all of them, and hopefully we'll come up with a solution or two that will eliminate one or two of these injuries. If it can eliminate just one, then it's going to be time well spent. Lastly, Coach, uh, AFC, NFC playoffs, who do you like in each conference? Oh, I don't know. Probably have to see the COVID list first to see who's playing. <laughs> hey, it's a tough break for the Browns, isn't it? I can't believe that, losing their head coach. Could you imagine that? No, and it, it's a double whammy for him, them because he's their offensive play caller too, and he's done a great job. Gotcha. Well, Coach, thanks a lot for everything this year. You're a real pro. Um, you know, it wasn't easy. It's, it's, it's not easy when you're 5-11 and 11 to go and face the media every day but uh you know you did it and you and you handle all the questions even the even the silly ones even the long ones <laughs> uh, with with the respect and uh i really appreciate you for that and good i have a lot of respect for you guys and the job you do and the importance of it and i will always try and maintain that all right well let's hope this gm gets you better players for next year all right thank you All right, if you made it this far, this is uh, this is easily the longest Clissa's uh, uh, mic drop that we've ever had in the in the two years of doing this podcast. Thank you to all our uh, loyal listeners out there who have en- who have enjoyed. It's uh, steadily grown as far as uh, listeners in the last two years. Um, consistency is what it's all about in every business, right? And uh, you got to do this every week. And um, we've had. This is uh, probably the best because we had not one interview with a player for five or six minutes uh, as we had to rush between walkthrough and practice, but extended interviews at the end of season with uh, the three big guys in the Broncos organization, John Elway, Joe Ellis, and Vic Fangio. Some might joke in that order, Uh, (laughs) but um, Elway no longer the GM, a major, major development. And we'll see what the new uh, GM will be like. Again, our five candidates... Uh, Champ Kelly, Anthony Champ Kelly, he, he and his wife have three daughters. He started with the Broncos as a regional scout in 2007. Uh, he worked his way up until 2014 when he got a, a better offer with the Bears and he joined John Fox there. George Payton, a longtime right-hand man of Rick Spielman with the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the front office uh, there. He's been a uh, top candidate for the Browns, Jets, uh, Bears previously, he has always withdrawn his name. From what I understand, he's serious and uh, does not want to withdraw his name this time. He's already interviewed for the Lions, and unless the Lions make an offer he can't refuse, he should be interviewing via Zoom with the Broncos, I believe on Friday is the tentative scheduled date for him. Champ Kelly also tentatively scheduled for Friday, Zoom interviews. First round's going to be Zoom interviews with these guys, Friday and Saturday. And then they start flying in their preferred choice or two, their top two finalists for in-person interviews uh, for Sunday and Monday. And um, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos have their hire made by Monday night. Uh, that would be my prediction. Dave Ziegler, um, a young, sharp uh, uh, mind who came in with Josh McDaniels in 2010. They went to John Carroll University together. Ziegler, a, uh, a Hall of Famer uh, at John Carroll as a receiver and returner. And um, he... Um, uh, started here uh, with the Broncos in the scouting department in 10. He stayed and really had way more time with Fox and Elway in 2011 and 12, and also uh, Matt Russell. Then went to New England and worked eight years there under Belichick and Nick Casario. Casario, now the GM of the Texans. He got a six-year, $30 million deal with Houston. Uh, congratulations to Nick Casario. We'll see if uh, Bill Belichick steps up and keeps uh, Ziegler to now head his front office. Terry Fontenot, um, Director of Pro Scouting and Assistant GM with the Saints. He's been there for 16 years. He's from Lake Charles, uh, Louisiana. He went to Tulane there in downtown New Orleans and uh, has stayed with New Orleans. So um, he's occasioned through and through, and uh, he's come highly regarded. He's had interviews for GM openings in Detroit and Atlanta already, so the Broncos are his third. And then finally, Brian Stark, the in-house candidate, uh, Broncos director of uh, uh, college scouting, starting uh, 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 starting with the end of the 2017 season, and uh, the 2018 draft produced his first draft: Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Josie Jewell, Philip Lindsay. He was undrafted. 2019: Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke, Draymond Jones, and then this year: Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Michael Ojemudia, and tight end uh, uh, Albert. Um, Okwe Bunam, <laughs> Alberto, um, and then a Sang Bassi, also uh, undrafted rookie. So uh, Brian Stark, um, you know, a, a, the dark horse candidate, but uh, also a strong candidate. And uh, we'll see what the Broncos do. Thank you very much for tuning in to uh, Clissa's Mic Drop throughout this season. It's been a, a lot of fun, a lot of great interviews, one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews uh, with uh, Bronco players during the season. And then uh, you also had, um, uh, you know, this, this, this end of season uh, interview with Elway, Ellis, and Vic Fangio. And uh, those three will head the uh, search committee. Patrick Smythe, the Broncos' uh, public relations boss, he'll be the fourth member. And they'll conduct Zoom interviews uh, Monday and Saturday with their five candidates. Uh, pay attention to 9news.com, you know, my Twitter feed, at Mike Kliss and also uh, 9news.com for all your Bronco coverage. As the Broncos are now in transition, the Elway era, for all intents and purposes, is over after 10 years. Uh, they are moving on to a new chapter, and uh, we'll see how that goes, starting with this new GM hire that will be made by early next week. Thanks for tuning in all year, everybody, and we'll do this again next year.